and welcome back to Not So Random, the podcast. This is my first episode of 2022, and today we're talking about Insecure, the show by Issa Rae and Larry Wilmore. They just finished up their final season, um, and so, you know, I thought it'd be the perfect time to look over the legacy of Insecure as a show, our favorite parts, our least favorite parts. Of course, we're getting to the ending today, and I have two special guests. First, I have Haley Magwood, who's a JD, and is in a current, her current second year master student at Harvard University. Haley studies how to create and implement trauma-informed and resilience lawyering elements to legal practice. In both her personal and professional life, Haley defends women and children against violence and likes to discuss Black motherhood in the Black family. And on the other end, I have Kevin, a returning guest. He was just on my episode of Love Life. And, you know, he's very popular on Twitter and Instagram and always giving hot takes. I had to bring him back. Both of these people have been fans uh, since day one. And I want to put a disclaimer that, you know, no matter what is said, Kevin loves all Black women. I told him I put that disclaimer out there. So don't cancel him, y'all. He's very smart, very funny, and, you know, makes some good points. So I hope you guys are enjoying this episode. It's a good one. Um, please like and subscribe. And thanks for listening. Um, yeah, so I think I've got the two perfect people to talk about it. People I know who have tweeted about it, who have like stuck with the show, watching the show since the beginning. So I think we're the best pick. Um, Haley, you want to introduce yourself? Hi, everyone. This is Haley. Kevin? Hey, everyone. This is Kevin. Um, I've been on here previously, so it's definitely fun to be back. Thanks for coming back. Okay, so had five seasons. After watching five seasons of the show, which character do you identify with the most and why? Okay, so I'll start. Okay. And we have talked about this. Mm-hmm. I always thought that I identified as Issa, right? Okay. The quirkiness, the the hypeness, driven by happiness. Um, but as the season um, as the um, show came to an end, I realized that I am Molly, right? I'm interested in climbing this corporate ladder. Um, definitely haven't had the best relationships, but I'm always working to change that. Um, and I do also feel like Molly has those same qualities. You know, she's not motivated by money. She's vote- motivated by happiness, but in her own way, her vision of happiness is perfection. Um, so I do identify with Molly. For me, it's a bit harder because there aren't many men on the show. Like, yeah. So I, I don't. What know. you mean? There's like. <laughs> no, but like main character, main character dudes. I think that's what Kevin's saying, mm, right? Okay. Like I think, yes, there are men on the show, but I don't think that there is a full representation of what black masculinity can be on the show. So like, I don't really know who I identify with, but like, you know, there's stories that I admire on there. Like I think mm-hmm. to me had um, the most growth of anybody on the show. Um, I think I can admire that. Like I can admire somebody willing to take the time to do the work, figure out what they need and what doesn't work for them and being willing to accept somebody coming into, into their life that is healthy and loves them the way it should be. So I can admire that. But as in a character I can see myself in, there isn't one. Okay. So are there parts of character you identify with though? Like some of like Lawrence's journey possibly, or is it just a little bit of everything or just me? No. No, I, but I, but I would, I admire Molly taking the steps. I could, I could admire that or say, I respect that and Molly taking the steps to do the work on herself to make sure that she's right, not just for herself, but maybe a potential partner or her friends down the line. So I can admire that. And I look up to that. So that's about it. But as in like, see myself, nah. Okay, that's fair. Um, we're going to talk about that later, about like the Black masculinity representation in the show. But personally, I've always identified as Issa. I think even like when I watched her uh, YouTube show, like that awkward Black girl, um, when she just played Jay. Um, yeah, it was Jay, I believe. Um, just identify as that like awkward character, the awkward Black girl, the one, you know, probably grew up middle class. Um, went to college, doesn't know what she wants to do with her life, or just like figuring out slowly through the motions through like dead end jobs or jobs that like, you know, like just don't serve you and your purpose or what you think your purpose is. Um, yeah, and it's kind of a mess overall, like a mess until they're not a mess or just like has certain things going, but then like things can like fall out of control slightly and just um, has anxieties about certain things. So Issa is kind of like my girl. Um, 
I feel like sometimes I identify with Molly, but like not really. Um, I don't really see myself myself in Molly, so I do appreciate. I think I see myself probably more in like Kelly. Um, if anything, sometimes like the loud friend, I know I'm loud <laughs> compared to some of my friends. So um, I think Kelly's the only the person I think I can relate to on the show. Tiffany, I cannot relate to. I wish I had that much control of my life. Uh, you know, Kelly was clearly the friend who got like met her man in college, got married pretty young. Um, that's where they like because I think when she has the baby in like season three or whatever, uh, she's probably just turned thirty. Um, so you know, so Tiffany's not the character I can identify with. Um, so yeah, Issa is my girl. Alrighty, and on to the next question. Alrighty, so what were your feelings on how the show ended? You are insecure overall, but do you think season five serviced the show as a whole? No, I think one of the things that I learned this season was that this show, it's a great show. And I know that, I guess, what people's perception of it and what the reality is is different, right? Like, I think it's mm -hmm. a comedy, but a lot of people think of it as a drama, right? So I think that the polarization of the Issa and Lawrence dynamic um, actually was a gift and a curse of the show, right? So, like, if an episode wasn't central to Lawrence and Issa or Lawrence figuring something out, people felt, this is what people were saying, not just me, but people felt no, I feel you. the episodes were kind of flat. They were kind of episodes that were meaningless and kind of just fluff, right? So I think to me, if they would have taken the last episode and broke all that happened in that one episode up over 10 or however many episodes it was, I think that it would have been a phenomenal season, right? But like the speeding up in the last episode felt like they were rushing to fit the 28 minutes or however long it was mm -hmm. to get some sort of closure, but like the pieces weren't logically fitting. So like, how did they come to an agreement on co-parenting? Where was Condola in that? How did like, sure, they kissed in her office, but does that like, how do we know that all their problems just went away? Like, you mm -hmm. know, Maureen and Molly, that was the complete story that we got. So that I don't have questions about. But, mm -hmm. you know, I just felt like if they would have taken that concept of that one idea and broke those up over time, and then we ended with them getting married or touring and like, it just felt like they were just kind of episodes about nothing, but then they ramped it up in the last two. So that was my take. That's fair. Hey, look. So I definitely would agree that it would have been better if they had broken it up. I look, I don't know Issa's budget, sis. So like, you know, they had to do what they had to do with, um, you know, the time frame that they had. Um, I guess in terms of like what my measurement of satisfaction is, I think I'm kind of just basing it off of, did we kind of get some security like with the characters molly i think was like the only character that i was satisfied with in season five everyone else i kind of felt like was incomplete like i found like kind of just like kevin i saw the happy ending or i saw their version of a happy ending but i saw no process but i think with molly we did kind of was able to see that process a little bit more than the other characters what i wish season five did was i actually wish that the first episode was the last episode and the remaining episodes kind of showed how they got there because i think you would they would have been able to tackle it better that way all in reverse yeah, mm -hmm. yeah. i can see that yeah i can see that and people would be upset if they did flip it i think people would be upset because the last episode wouldn't have that quote-unquote closure but I do think that would be a good concept because I, I was sitting there like, wait, how, like, I just, I guess also too, I just didn't like the ending, I guess, I'm gonna be honest with y'all. Like, I, it was mm -hmm. good for TV purposes, but when you think about life and the aspects of reality, I just don't think, Torian and Molly, yes, that was real. Everything else, but the Molly, I mean, but the Issa and Lawrence conclusion to me was realistic. That was, mm -hmm. that, I don't know. In the real world, I feel like him and Condola would have tried to make it work for the sake of their child and or he would have met someone. Because this is the thing that no one talks about. He was okay without being with Issa. Like, you would see throughout the season, they would have different women in there. And, like, she was still stuck on the same, like, what if with him and, like, this cycle with Nathan that was just perpetually a waste of our time. I will say, I do believe Nathan was a complete waste of our time in season five. I rewatched the series before I be, you know, recorded. We've been rewatching this week. 
I do think the show is stronger on the second rewatch because, you know, how before we didn't know what the time was, like how much time had passed, unless they said something. And things kind of seemed jumpy, like has it been a year, has it been two weeks, has it been a month? And so when I watched, like, things are pretty close together um, between each season. And the last episode, of course, is the one where they jump like two years in the future. Yeah. Like, cause it's like, everyone has like the two birthdays, birthdays, I think. The birthdays. And so like, you know, at least two years had passed. Um, and so that was the part where I'm like, okay, I don't know if I like that, but I think the show, rewatching, I think it's stronger as I can watch. I think the writing is tighter in the sense of like, things came back around, like something they might mention in season one popped up in season three, right? Um, so I do think that now the ending to me is still iffy, even on a rewatch. I'm like, I, I see how we got there. I'm convinced more on the second rewatch that Lauren and Issa deserved each, that they were going to be each other be together because yeah, the documentary um, gives you context that they made that decision in the previous season yeah yeah, yeah. Th that that was the rewatch gave me because at first i was like it came out of nowhere i think the only because the only thing we get in the finale we don't get to see lawrence i think until he's giving her a tour of the office i believe and then after that i'm like okay i mean grant and the episode before you know she's having when she's Vision, envisioning her future and she's like oh do I pick nothing but wire do I go with Crenshaw and stuff like Lawrence keeps popping up but I will say like rewatching the show no one no one had what her and Lawrence had right she never found somebody who could compete with Lawrence um in a sense of like a love interest so I think that's why they had to keep around I 100% agree with you Kevin when you say the Lawrence versus Issa thing became like a just uh, like a disservice to the show. I feel like originally when the show was planned, you can tell that Lawrence wasn't supposed to be around. Um, like you and even remember in season three, before season three, they announced, "Oh, Lawrence won't be back," and I feel like that was bullshit. We all knew that nigga was coming back. Um, I think they meant it at the time. Like if you look at the writing up until they got to like that scene where he ran into them in the gas station, he was not existent. Yeah, but I'm saying I'm I'm saying that like that was when they wrote the season they knew he was coming back because he came back in season like halfway through season three and then he's a main character. But I think after season three we should cut him off the same way we cut off Daniel in season three, right? It's interesting when you watch the first episode that you see Daniel before you even see Lawrence, and that's why I'm like Lawrence was never at least when I think I don't I assume that. Lawrence was not supposed to be how the show ended. I know that Issa says she only went at five seasons, so there was never going to be a sixth season. That's not how I don't think until she pitched to HBO. That's not how she pitched it to Prentice Penny, her showrunner. Um, and but I do think that like the whole Lawrence being around just wasn't the plan, and they kind of got stuck because people got so stuck in Team Lawrence, Team Issa, Team this, Team that, and that's the only part where I feel like they played way too much into the audience. I don't know, I don't, I like, I'm just speculating, but I wish they kind of stuck to their guns more and maybe gone a whole different direction. Haley, I know you have strong feelings I mean, about this. I, I just disagree in the sense that I don't think that their relationship was far-fetched. Like, I, like, it actually seemed natural. Um, I guess because I'm coming from the perspective of I find it natural that you have seasons in relationships and there is there there is always like that person that's like in the beginning of like your relationship and like you're very attached to and then life happens you might even get married you might have kids you might get divorced and then boom that person's back in your life and you're like oh my gosh where have you been and they're like walking in the grocery store I know this from personal experiences I've seen you know, my, my cousins and heck, even like, you know, my own parents, like see a childhood friend 10, 20 years later. So can him kind of like popping up out of nowhere doesn't seem too unrealistic to me. I would agree with you if there weren't such polarizing factors, right? Like I think that- But what's polarizing? The kid, the baby. We talked about this. What is so I'll, bad I'll, about I'll, blended I'll, families? It I'll is so you, negative. In the real world, right, I do not know if a man who has been with the woman for as long as he was with Issa at the time would take back his ex who cheated on him while he was depressed and trying to figure out what to do with his life. Because what people don't realize the whole issue of the show is, see, I'm about to really sound problematic. The, the Just whole, go ahead, Kevin. Just go ahead. The whole problem, the whole problem that Issa had was Let's be honest, women like men with ambition, right? They want to see something tangible. Nathan, not Nathan, uh, Daniel was not like super successful, but he showed passion and ambition in terms of what he was doing with the music stuff. Mm -hmm. That was attractive to Issa. Lawrence did not have that going for him at the time. 
he only became more attractive to her when that ambition came into fruition. So to me, in the, re- in the reality and just the world of how things work, Lawrence probably would have met somebody, because let's be honest, by sheer numbers, there are more successful Black women out there than there are successful Black men, right? So by mm-hmm. sheer numbers, he would have found a partner that was more on his level and had her stuff together than it was Easterwood, right? So in the, in the real world, I think they would have gone their separate ways. He would have found somebody and he would have done his thing. Like the condolence, everything that played out sans then getting back together is pretty much what would have happened in the real world. And I think, you know, Issa would have been trying to figure it out and or finding herself. And that's what I wanted the, the show to end with, was her finding herself and taking her own journey because she spent so many years of this show chasing after these same two men. It just was like this over and over and over again. But I don't think you're giving... I'm gonna let you finish. And I don't think it would have, I think it actually would have sent a good message to young women that men shouldn't be sent, this idea of chasing romance and this idea of, you know, taking an imperfect man and swallowing the pill of let's build this break baby family or whatever you want to call it. <laughs> no, like like that. those are just, ne- like it creates this narrative that men don't have to come with their stuff together. You got to take him as is and, you know, swallow that pill and just deal with it. No, I don't think a lot of men in Issa's position would do that. Oh, I think you're 100% right. I think that (laughs) if they had switched the roles, Issa had the baby, and it was not by Lawrence, Lawrence would have been like, I'm out for good. Like, first you cheat on me, and then you have a baby. I I had said this on my Twitter. When it comes to people having babies, like, men can't handle when other people have babies. But I'm going to tell you why. I'm I'm going to tell you. But hold on, wait, because I have a reason why. Like, one, like, and I think, I don't, I don't know if you commented on it as well. For me, I find that we live in a very biologically obsessed world, right? And what men care about is what? They care about legacy. They care about keeping it up. They care about providing. And they care about having a job. So legacy, right? If it's not theirs, they don't see that impact. They don't see that input. They don't see one of their main goals. I find that, like, when you talk to people about blended families, when you talk to people about adoption, those things, what is a lot of the times when I talk to men, the man will say, I just, that's just not for me. That's just, that's just not who I am. You know, I can't raise somebody's kids. So I think that men have different priorities. And so when it comes to taking care of someone else's kid, societal, society tells them like, that shouldn't be, you should have your own legacy. You should have your own impact and imprint. Whereas women, we're, we're kind of told, you know, that might not be the case for you. You can still raise, you can still grow, you can still inspire. So it's not as taboo for us to raise someone else's child. I, I disagree. I think it comes down to how our family court system works. I think that in the world... Because you know, I love family court. So it is family court to me, it is very rare. The reason why I think women are more likely to date a man with a kid is, let's just be honest, it comes down to like custody rights right typically men are not going to be the primary caregiver for their children period so Mm -hmm. if you think about if you're a woman dating a man's child you do not have to see that child in the same way that you would if you were a man dating a woman with a child a woman is usually the primary caregiver for a child so if you're a man dating a woman with a child that impacts your relationship dynamic day to day like every single day far more than a man with a child impacts a woman dating him does so like for example right a man may have his kid a couple of weekends a month, but Monday through Friday, typically in a lot of households in America, despite socioeconomic status, the, the child is with a woman and therefore it makes it harder for her to develop and foster a relationship with a man that doesn't already have kids. So that's why I think people are more, a woman is more willing to deal with a man with a child than a man is with a woman, right? Also too, it goes back to time. She wouldn't have as much time to sit there and dedicate to dating that man she has one child or if not more children because i you know that's just how it worked like she got to pick up from school figure out this whole juggle a man just gotta pay his child support take his kid out. no this is these are just how this is how society works the only man that i know of that has ever beat the family court system was Dwayne wade and he, no seriously it is very ready it takes extreme circumstances for a man to get, am I wrong, Haley? For a man to get sole custody of his children, like 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 he's a mother. Am I wrong? No, I oh, think- Actually, wait, hold on, let me, let me answer this real quick. Haley, answer, sorry, yeah, the legal part. The, the, the way that your family is like, it's, it's really, really hard, like, no, because I think we're actually missing the huge point that 
custody support, all these things is always a conversation. When I'm in the when I'm in the family court and you know there's a conversation about custody or support, it is a conversation between both of them about who is going to raise this child, who has the ability to, who doesn't have time to. And nine times out of ten, it's not that it's hard for the man to take care of the kid or they or the woman has more time. It's the conversation has led them to say, you know what, she can take care of him or he can take care of it. So I just don't want us to like minimize the amount of autonomy and choice that mm-hmm. both people have in that relationship. That's real. But I still, but I think that, <laughs> I guess that goes back to why though, I think Issa was more likely to do, like it just boils down to job probably was around not every single day or seven days a week. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, I mean, versus if it was Lawrence dating a woman with a child, that kid would at least be there five days out of the week. Because remember, Condola and Lawrence, it was a conversation about who was going to be the custodial parent. And I have a, I have a, uh, I, hold on, we're going to get into the Condola and Lawrence. I have an unpopular opinion. I'm going to keep it real with you. Y'all going to hate this opinion. Go ahead, go ahead, Kevin. I do not think in the nine to five world, I'm not talking about celebrities, ball players, none of that. In the nine to five everyday world, I don't think women have children from men that they don't see a romantic future with. So to oh, me, you're right. I don't, I personally believe, and they hinted at it at the party and I guess they never built on it was, I still felt like Condola admired seeing him as a good father and wanted to potentially try to create that. Oh family. yeah, most definitely. They zoomed in okay, on see, that. I for sure. Was, no, they did. Yeah, no, yeah. she, she for sure did. Happen, and I don't know why they didn't play with that more. Rewatching the fourth season, Condola and Lawrence only ended when Issa, when when she saw Issa and Lawrence at the coffee shop making jokes and they still have banter. She was like, "This bitch is competition. Like, I can't she be." Really like Lawrence, like for real. She <laughs> did like Lawrence. She was feeling him, and then you know Lawrence chose Issa, right? And then she comes back. With, she could, huh? She was also untruthful and prideful, though. Yeah, she comes back with the hit, I'm having the baby. And you're just like, what the fuck? And after she said, you're casual, I don't want to get remarried. Now, she never said she didn't want to have a kid. She said she didn't want to have a family on the rewatch. She did say that. But it is fucked up when you don't like someone as much and you're just like, I'm going to have your baby. That's a whole different thing. But back to the whole, I don't have a family with you, but I'll have your baby. (laughs) Right. Come on now. That's fucked up. But the blended family thing, I will say, just seeing in my real life how many men with kids are able to get married, able to date. And if you know, for and the mother is still single. The mother is still single. The mother is still every every time I, I see exactly her, what I was saying about the Yeah. Kevin, you're right. No. Haley, you and I follow a lot of the same people. Every time we see a pregnancy announcement, baby daddy ain't there in the it's just it's you know the if, if it's just the test or whatever. It's like, oh, just her by herself, her and her girls, her girls congratulating her. Oh, you're gonna be a mom. I can't wait to be an auntie, blah, blah, blah. That's cute. But the dad is you only you don't even see the dad at the baby shower. I'm trying to guess via Instagram stories who's the dad. Because the dad is not stepping up, the dad is not there at the baby shower. That shit is it's and it's it's, it's, it's not embarrassing. It's just like this is what we live in. The niggas don't have to claim shit. That's why I say like <laughs> a lot of kids, and this is another unpopular opinion. I don't Kids that are born out of, I'm not even into that comment. But yes, like I, I agree. With you you about to say wedlock? <laughs> I was about to go crazy. I was about to go left. But like, I think a lot of the issue, like you said, that's real. Like, when you look at it from a real life lens, there was just so much as to why I say I don't. It, Issa to me swallowed a lot for that. She did because I mean, but think about it. There are so many men we know who have kids who who are who are dating around casually and you know most time when women have kids they're not able to start really dating until the kids like five this is right to me even when they date them having a kid is like them telling somebody they got like a terminal illness (laughs) no it is like they gotta be like look sit down i gotta tell you something and a lot of men unless they have kids themselves they can't handle that like i'll tell you right now if a woman told me she had a kid i'm like oh no i'm sorry like yeah i mean i will say you know dating people people, niggas be like i got kids and they say it like it like it's i have water in my hand like that's how quickly they say it because they can expect like a lot of women yeah it's not a deal breaker and i know so many women who who will be like oh dating with kids now that's not my thing but also i know people like you said only women only have kids with something they they like like they actually have to see romantic future right and that's what i'm very much like i'm only keeping somebody's kid if I have a ring, I'm not doing it with just a promise of, oh, I like him. He told me he liked me. 
that is not enough for me i'm not judging nobody's decisions i'm not judging nobody's decisions and this is when i bring in tiffany's quote Mm -hmm. sometimes it's not about making a smart choice it's just it needs to make sense to you like that resonated with me and like that was kind of like what i thought season five was kind of going to back to like satisfaction Mm -hmm. this season that's how i realized i was like it is not up to me to be like oh this is how this should have went or this is how this relationship should have gone based upon the circumstances right if you can sleep at night, if Ease is with the man that he cares about, if Tiffany has her family, but she's not truly happy or X, Y, Z, as long as it makes sense to you, he can pop up, he can do whatever, he can have another kid. But you know what? I have what I need. I will say that, yeah, it doesn't make sense to the rest of us. You know, I feel like after everything happened, Twitter people are like, really a stepmama, Issa? That's what you want to be, like a stepmom? Um it doesn't make sense to, and also I do have to remember I am in my 20s, so maybe I'll feel differently in my 30s. Probably. I don't fucking know. That's if only if I'm still single and stuff. But um, to me, I'm just like, it made sense to her. I will say it services the story if you want to really romanticize the Lawrence and Issa whole thing of it all. I think that Lawrence is not the type of dude to want to sit there and want to have a conversation half the time. Um, you know, when we like i said we watch it i'm like this nigga took all this time to come back to Issa to talk to her they went like two three months and i get it after someone cheating on you you're not trying to jump into the conversation you want to sit there and have a civil thing it's just not going to be civil because you're still emotional about it right but um all their back and forth i'm just like lawrence and Issa probably in real life would not have worked because lawrence would have never made that phone call to be like what's up now he loved her i don't think he fell in love with anybody else he was dating um so I think that's probably why they end up choosing. So it makes sense in the context of the show, in real life, that's the type of nigga who's going to be like, fuck that bitch, I'm good on to the next, you know? Especially when you think about the fact that, let's call it what it is, he's a black man that's in a small percentage of the population of people. Got his stuff together, makes good money, is above six feet tall. He doesn't, like, him going, like, he wouldn't have to necessarily pick Issa, is what I'm saying. Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, Issa's a good looking girl. She didn't have to pick him with him when he has a kid. I feel like he's not good looking on the show. She's good looking in real life, but the way they styled her on the show, she didn't like, she didn't really <laughs> like No, this is true. Kevin has it. Wait, wait. You're saying you didn't like Issa's hair and makeup and like no, clothes? If you look at Issa Rae, the person, like, yeah. The show, she is far better looking than, than Issa Rae, whatever they call her. Issa, Issa D. Like, to me, the best. All right, you're going to cancel me for this one. <laughs> the best looking person on the show by a long shot was Tiffany, to me, personally. Yes. Not, no. <laughs> no, Tiffany, no. Tiffany. It wasn't, no. No. Me and Condola, she, they ate them up every time. To you me. sure that's not like a colorism thing, Kevin? I'm going to go with that. No. Object <laughs> the facts. If, you did a, if we're talking about how Issa Rae looks on the show, like how they style her. They make her, I mean, don't get her personality is like, you're the one who's going to have your life together. You're kind of a frazzled right. mess. But if we're, all right, if I'm looking it, because again, in real life, Issa Rae smokes Amanda Seals. Mm. Yeah, she smokes Amanda Seals. So that this is clearly not a colorism thing. This is just objectively the facts. Okay, I'll, I'll give um, you that the in world. Not attractive on the show or on the <laughs> Okay. I'm a, I just. I disagree with half of that, but I get what you're saying. I get what you're saying, Kevin. I'm not going to cancel you, Kevin. I I get what you're saying. I'm not going to cancel you, but it's just like, what the- I like all black women. Let's let's get that straight. Let's get that straight. I'm going to put that as a disclaimer. Kevin loves all black women. (laughs) All right, Haley, go ahead. Oh, I thought you had input. I thought you had input on uh, this. Sorry. All righty. So, speaking of relationships and whatnot, let's talk about the other relationship of season five. Um, do you think that we needed Nathan? I mean, I know we all said no, but like more so why? Do you think that we should have introduced somebody, been introduced to somebody else? Do, what do you, how do you think we should handle Issa's love life in season five? I guess it's a better question. I think that Issa Rae kept men on the show that women liked. I think they measured like who women find attractive on the metrics of social media and they just kept them around. I don't think Nathan mm-hmm. was meant to be around for this many seasons. Like, I just don't. I can, I, I can I think see that. Made up stuff along the way to like make it fit. But like, by and large, I don't know what role he served. I don't know what role Kofi Sirabe. <laughs> like, I don't get, like, she just, it's, it's like how men throw attractive women on stuff just for the sake of doing it. I think yeah. Men, because I don't understand the Nathan thing. Like, I think he offered her absolutely nothing. She didn't like him. He was not even a good barber because he was free a lot of the time. So that's a lot. <laughs> 
three, they kept trying to tease the mental health thing, but never really flushed it out. Yeah. I get what they were attempting to do, but like bringing that up and not trying to get us to understand when did he find out that he had that? How has it impacted his dating life and other parts of his life? Like, because that would help explain more, but like, you know, I'm glad she ended with him. I think, I think that the season five writing was good in some ways where those flashbacks that she had showed her that her life with Nathan was always going to be her, it was going to be her show and he wasn't really doing his own thing. Yeah, I think I would, like you said, the mental health part of Nathan, we didn't see that man pop a pill for his bipolarness. Like, give me something. Oh, they did. Um, My bad. Okay, well, no, I'm just wrong. But it wasn't, Um, you're right. But they didn't really talk about it. I think that you can't say, oh, I'm bipolar. And then, like you said, not kind of expand on like what that means. I know they had the scene in the barbershop where they're like, oh, you're crazy. Like, you're soft, blah, blah, blah. Like, and they had thing with the cousin. So, like, you, I don't know. Maybe they're trying to show that like it's there, but like it's not always there. I have no idea what they were trying to do with that. Um, I think Nathan was unnecessary. I wish if they wanted to make things really spicy, just bring back Daniel. Daniel to me was, I talk, I feel like, as a as a if we're gonna go for like what twitter says daniel was way more interesting and way more like of a force on twitter yeah. that people actually cared about compared to nathan about their dynamic like what went wrong did she date him right before lawrence like she what- did him in high school high school and then college they were like they were just like fuck buddies they never really made official type of thing but here's the thing kevin you were talking about like you know nathan doesn't really like you question, you're questioning whether Nathan kind of like served Issa's role, Issa's character, what she was going through. And kind of going back to the point of Daniel, I don't think introducing Daniel back into the story would have served Issa. Like, I don't think it would have served her development or growth. Um, I think that Nathan's role actually did in the sense of like, it wasn't like this character is in here for us to learn more about her as it is recognizing that you have people coming into your life and just as much as you think that people are coming into your life to help you, you're also coming into their life to help them. And for him, I kind of felt like his character really was about him and was less about Issa and him choosing him, himself and his happiness and what he wants for himself in the end. So I kind of feel like we're looking at that relationship in a wrong way. Like, I don't think it really kind of works out to look at it as, oh, he's there to serve Issa. I really think that Issa was there to serve him and for him to figure out what he needed to do. Um, Obviously, we didn't get that perspective, but the way Mm -hmm. that he behaved and how it ended, I kind of felt like, oh, this has less to do with her and more about him. He chose himself after this. I kind of saw growth in him. He did choose himself. I I think Nathan was, I think, better in season three when he was introduced and he was the one who pushed her to start um the block and stuff like so clearly i thought that was what he the purpose he served but i didn't understand him coming back and then like crying her, you know her crying in his mouth and like i think the final season is when we didn't need him i think three and four he was a perfect character i didn't like i said but my point was in season five if you're gonna bring someone back and from her past i think daniel would have been a better choice and i think I let daniel evolve too right was it daniel was like a struggling producer Make him come back. He's been working with Ty Dolla Sign. He's been working with Drake. All the big names that he wanted to work with before in season one and two. I think you can you can bring him back. Make him something competitive in the sense of like, okay, this is way more interesting. Or the real answer is honestly just pick a whole nother person. Like bring somebody else in completely that we haven't met that we're not biased towards. Because I think Nathan, we were all biased towards Nathan after he goes to Issa. Like Nathan was never going to be a crowd favorite, huh? never liked him after that yeah we never liked him after that so i think that's why i'm like bringing somebody new or bringing in another favorite not someone that the whole audience is like boo this nigga tomato tomato you know like no other nigga was serving um her was serving her purpose and i think that like yeah it's probably not fair to say serving someone's purpose but like in the context of the show we're rooting for isa and we're rooting for molly nobody else to me is interesting enough um speaking of molly the other uh, thing I kind of want to talk about is Molly's arc, right? Do you think that um, one issue sometimes I have with the show is that like they don't show conversations or they they jump past moments, and you know we never got to see how Issa and Molly really made up. You know they laughed at their like reunion stuff and they kind of were like awkward, but we never got to see that full conversation that I think we deserved um, as a show. 
And then we don't even see Molly like in therapy. We just know that she gives Tori a chance. She decides, okay, I'm going to do this. Do you think that like that was a mistake? Do you think they should have fleshed that out more? Or do you just accept it and you're like, okay, I'm cool with how this works? They don't have enough time in their storyline to do all that. So I accepted it. That's fair. Like therapy, therapy is never done. Like that's true too. Like She's and, I, and, I, and I and I to kind of go to your point. Yes, they wouldn't have been able to end it, but I think they still should have attempted to show her continuing her healing, um, because that is a part of Black life when we don't really see the healing process, the therapies, the the self love, the radical healing. Mm-hmm. Um, so I felt like. It was almost kind of, but in, in in some way, I think they were able to substitute that with a lot of the hardship that Molly went through the final season. Like yeah, that, did you feel like the thing with her own. mom, did, did I still, I don't, to me, that still comes off as random. Or I don't know, did they just want to give a character like an emotional arc somewhat? Yeah. Maybe, maybe that was the arc that made her realize I need to chill or I need to figure out how I'm treating the people around me. But I don't know, I, it was just, maybe I'm just like putting those together. But I just don't know, like, where that came from as a decision in the writer's room. So I don't know if it was in the wind down, but I could have sworn someone had said that they have put that in there primarily because Molly has always been trying to search for happiness, right? But she Mm -hmm. has been coming in conflict with that with her issue with perfection, her issue with, you know, wanting everything to be organized and OCD. When everything is okay, that's when she knows everything is good. Um, and so her mom passing away, someone had said, I could have sworn this was in a wind down. She it probably was. That, um, someone had said that that was a an example of Molly got her happy ending and it was still a happy ending regardless of if everyone wasn't there. She would have loved to have her mom there. She would have loved for everything to be perfect for her mom and her dad, for her brother, her siblings. Um, but it wasn't, but she still was happy. Like that was what they had said Molly's ending was about. Okay. I'm going to accept that. Okay. Yeah. I mean, wanted something re- I, I get it. Yeah. Yeah. Like, I feel like they gave her something real. Um, I know, I do know that, I mean, the big thing I think, I think between her and her parents, like, you know, she found her dad cheated on her mom and her entire view of perfe- perfection was like kind of done for. So to me though, I'm like, wouldn't it make more sense that like that art came slightly earlier? Okay, I'm just reading into it. It's, it's actually not that deep, but um, that's just just me personally overthinking things up. Alrighty, what subplots and stuff the entire like show should we have seen a conclusion to? And so when I say subplots, like um, we had things like in season two, Issa lets the principal at the school she's working with like make the Latina like com- like the really offensive like comics with the Latinx students and stuff. And then you have the black and Asian thing between um, or the, the black and Asian dynamics and in Mo- Molly and Andrew's relationship or just subplots in general outside of those that you could think of that we might have or things that you would see flushed out even more. I know, Kevin, you mentioned the mental health part. Um, yeah. Yeah, for me, I think Tiffany had a storyline that I think would have been super interesting on the show if they flushed it out more. I think she when you and i'm sure you're gonna catch it when you rewatch it there were so many like holes and plots where they could have like talked more there was a line and if you're rewatching you probably catch it where mm-hmm. they were she cheated on her husband and they weren't basically they alluded to the fact that the paternity of her child may not have actually been her husband but they can tiffany yes when you rewatch it you'll catch yes it. yes that was supposed to be a part of the storyline right and then also just because like, he had because Derek had said something he was like yeah we it was were amazing. trying and they, like they I didn't, it came out of nowhere yeah and then also too like the the postpartum and pardon and and her just being not happy at all like I think that their personal beef with Amanda Seals robbed the audience of a storyline that I think would have been really good that they could have flushed out because yeah he, and this is not even being funny but like when they had uh, Kelly's announcement about her baby. If you looked at Tiffany, she didn't look happy. Her hair wasn't how it typically was. She didn't seem like herself. And I think they did that on purpose to highlight she wasn't happy in Denver. And she never seemed happy to me throughout the show. She seemed like the woman that had it all together and had all the things they all wanted, but that wasn't enough. And I think that they could have flushed that out, how the grass isn't green on the other side. Yeah, I think Tiffany throughout the entire show, even early in the, in the show, they allude to Derek like spending time in a hotel for like half a year or something that like they weren't even living together. And 
yeah, Tiffany's storylines, I think, could have been way more fleshed out. And I get that maybe that, like, her character was to represent the married friend who's going to say all her business. Tiffany would never share all her business. Tiffany knew everyone else's business, though. She always knew the tea. She knew, like, how Lawrence was doing. She knew that, like, Lawrence was dating other girls after he cheated on, after Issa cheated on him. Um, and I, yeah, I do think that the beef between all the characters offset, apparently she was planning to leave the show. I just read an article yesterday where she was like, oh, I almost wanted to quit Hollywood after that. Like, I wanted to leave the show. Um, I don't know, maybe. Any, yeah, um, Amanda Seals does, doesn't like being famous. She had a whole rant about that a couple of days ago. She was like, I wish I could do what I want to do without people having an opinion about it. Oh, damn. But she does a lot of things in the in the public eye. She's been in Hollywood for a minute. Like, she's been famous for a very long time. Yeah, like since she was like um, like a kid, basically. Like, all right. I mean, maybe she's getting to her. Um, it was, what it was like all over an Emmy party. I don't know. Um, a part of me though, um, this is maybe just my personal like bias or whatever. A part of me sometimes thinks Amanda Seals is just a little like dramatic slightly or i don't know maybe she's i i i, I don't know i've been following for some time i don't follow her follow follow her but like you know follow people's careers and like to me she sometimes she just seems like she just like the most i don't know but that's just me um overall though i do think her character is more interesting um i personally wish i know people keep saying it this isn't like my 100 like it didn't need to happen i don't think she wasn't fleshed out but kelly you know uh kelly's character is somebody i wish we oh the question is like which character would we have seen the most of outside of subplots which character would you see more of and i think the only people who i who were mostly interesting were kelly and like chad maybe chad was just a whole mess of a character in general he was just, i think like purposely there for comedic purposes um and to somewhat guide lawrence every once in a while um but kelly is someone i wish we had gotten a little bit more background background on i don't know because i don't know why people were upset her being the funny character i mean i know why people don't like seeing the big black girl always being the funny one like oh she could be vulnerable she could be this but she can be that but i'm like she i don't think her character was ever supposed to be like i don't know like main stage like a molly or isa so sometimes i'm like are people being sensitive kind of but you have a kind of a point sorry go ahead <laughs> only thing i don't like about how they ended her character was they gave her a child I just feel like that just was, and I said this before, I just feel like that was not a part of her character. Mm-hmm. Like I, I saw her or what I thought they portrayed her as was a woman who wanted to show people that she is valuable beyond a laugh off. And that's why she had the podcast. That's why she had the audio. But I didn't think her purpose lied in having a family. I thought that they were going to put her on this path of like, you know, becoming this like, uh, what was she, an insurance bank or accountant? Accountant, I think, yeah. Yeah, like I thought she was gonna go on this like path of like really going into that and figuring out her love life. Um, but like being satisfied in other ways, not, not, in no conversation did she talk about having a kid, having a family. I thought that she might have a life partner, but maybe not like a husband. I just didn't think that that was a part of that. And that's the only thing that I just don't like in terms of like pushing that heteronormative fam, that the heteronormative family that like a woman has to have everything together. She has to have a kid. She has to have a husband. She has to have a job, all of those things. Like I just didn't think that she needed that in order to be satisfied, but they just pushed that in there. I see what you're saying, and I agree. I do think there's all it services like a, a a Samantha quote unquote honestly type character where like you know they're happy being single, they're happy having sex, they're happy making a lot of money, and just like having their own. I think that character is important, and like people always gonna be like, oh, you should have a kid. I do think Kelly not having a ha- having a kid like was a confusing thing. She did make the point, you know, I didn't want kids, but until I met this man, we don't know that man. That man just came in the in the quick like cut twos for every birthday and stuff. So to me, I was like. I don't know. We don't know how how good this man is to Kelly in general. Like that would have been a flesh out part of season five. I would have liked. But I will say that if you're gonna give change someone up, I don't mind them pushing. I don't mind them giving that to the big black girl it, only because usually the big black girl on television doesn't get someone to love the joke person doesn't get like a love interest. They don't get a happy ending. So I think that maybe they did that because of like what she represents as a character um and i think that like let's say they switch let's say they made tiffany kind of the samantha of the group they probably would have never done that but because of her body type and like people being like oh she's just a joke you guys never take her seriously you guys just you know make her fuck a lot as the as the dark bigger girl or whatever i think that's probably more why they would have like switched it up 
So I hear what you're saying. You're 100% valid. I agree. But I think that's my only suspicion why they would do that, you know, because people are like, well, give her more agency. And I think giving her someone to love and a kid is more agency than just like, oh, like, you're just going to be the friend that fucks and laughs forever, you know? But I hear you. Kevin, you have any thoughts on, like, any other characters, like, who they should have fleshed out more? Tiffany. I think the Kelly thing, I think Kelly wanted to be comedic relief. I think... Mm -hmm. That's she basically mentioned that herself. She um, does, yeah. She wrote an article about it, I think. I think Amanda Seal should have gotten a big Tiffany should have had a bigger role. And I think if they did not like her enough to want to flesh out her story, they could have just easily have taken her off. Like instead of keeping her as like a, a tantalizing like potential storyline, they never flush out. Um that was my thing. No, I agree. Um, okay. And my I think I'm on the last bit of my little stuff, honestly. Um Let's talk about black masculinity, like within the show. Um, Kevin, you can probably clearly speak this more than I can. Do you think that this show has a solid representation of, or just like, I know Insecure can't do everything, so I'm not asking for it to represent every single thing about every single part of like black masculinity or black masculinity or just black culture in general. I think that's too big of an ask for anything to do, any show to do. But do you think that this show services like black men properly? I don't think that's the role of the show. Like, I don't, mm-hmm. I don't really think the show has any, like, I, I just think the show's about Black women, and I think that's that's it. I do think, though, that to some degree, I, I guess the broader conversation to me is, like, where does it go in the pantheon of Black shows that we have with women? Mm-hmm. I think in some ways, it, if the bar is girlfriends, I think it falls short, right? Like, I think what I admired about girlfriends was that the men weren't central to the plot of the show as much, right? So, like, they would meet different men. Like, other than William, men would change, right? But it was about their friendship and their experiences growing as women, right? Mm-hmm. And I think Insecure to me fell short because I think in season one, creatively, I think they made a decision to marry themselves to this, like, polarization of Lawrence, Team Lawrence or Team Issa. And I think that yeah. watered down the show. I think it had potential to be... I don't know if it actually you know what I think that the polarization was central to the show. If there was no polarization, I think it would have. I'm not going to say it would have gotten canceled, but I, it would have been more of a cult classic and not a cultural classic. If that makes sense, right? I don't mm-hmm. know if the audience would be as wide if it didn't have that polarization where men were on Lawrence's side and women were on East's side and we were having that banter, right? So I think yeah. it was a little bit short. I think it, it's it'll it's a classic for sure. I think it's one of HBO's best shows, but like you know, it was good, and I think years from now whether it's making the city of Inglewood seem more exciting and develop more. I think that'll be something that the show will contribute to or music and fashion. I think it'll be very culturally relevant, but like in terms of comparing to Girlfriends, Girlfriends is far better to me. And Girlfriends is mad toxic, so, but I see what you're saying. Girlfriends had to work on work while being on network television, which means that they couldn't even really go that raw as Insecure can. That's true. I mean- It was still that good. Yeah, I mean, Girlfriends is really good, so this is definitely going to take the Girlfriends, but um, it was way, way more toxic. But you know what? I will say that I think I mean, Girlfriends... Different time, you're right, early 2000s, so I have to keep that in mind. Like, things were not nearly as politically the same. Um, but I do think that Girlfriends gives a very interesting... I know people are like, oh, it's not realistic. Like, you know, like, oh, some of the, they're so mean to each other. I'm like, I don't think some of y'all have been in real friendships. Like, or at this point where, like, people say some real bullshit to each other. Not to say that that's okay. It's not. But it is very, like, every once in a while you probably say something to a friend that you don't mean. Or you mean it, but you don't mean to say it sound like that. Um, I'm not going to compare girlfriends and insecure. I don't think that's, I don't know, I don't think that's, like, 100%, like, fair. And I think 90s or general, I think because we have such, such nostalgia for 90s and 2000s sitcoms that, like, it's always going to be above everything else because we're comparing it to it. Um, I think Insecure has its own like place in the sense of like a, a mid a mid two thousand ten shows ideas because um, you know we haven't had anything like that. I mean, in a world where we had to sit there and watch Sex and the City girls, um, just every like oh what's another like Gossip Girl, all these super very white shows about rich white girls. I think that Insecure you know has its place in that. Now, comparing to like every other show, mm, then it gets iffy. I do think it's still still really strong though. But Haley, go ahead. Sorry. Um. Yeah. So I 
I like the diversity of the men in the show. And I really liked one of the sources that you had sent to us earlier. Um, what resonated with me with one of the YouTube clips that you sent um, was about how the insecure men, we really got to see how patriarchy hurts men and especially black men in particular. So like, for example, we got to see Jared, you know, Molly's first love interest, you know, he was a man in every sense of the word. Mm-hmm. And it just so happens that he had a sexual experience with another man. And why can't you still love me like that? Um, so, you know, no. she had a problem with that. Or Jared you know, was the one who was bo- who 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 slept with the guy, and she's like, "Oh, he's gay." Like she right. ran him off as gay. Very popular thought of a lot of women. More so oh. than admit. Yeah. I think that was very realistic. I think a lot of black women can't handle the idea of their man even touching another man in a way that's inappropriate. Now, white women are very different. I think that I think that particular thing was very centered towards black women because black women can be super biphobic and homophobic um, without realizing they are um, or realizing we are. I don't know why they like. Anyway, and my, then, go, oh, ahead. Oh, go ahead. Go ahead, um, And then, like, with Joe's character, right, open relationships are always seem to be male-dominated. Like, he chooses, like, this relationship and how it goes and its limitations and boundaries. But then we saw how that open relationship actually backfired on Joe, right? Because he had started catching feelings and didn't really respect the boundaries that he first and foremost put down. And then with Lawrence, we also see how, you know, this man who needs someone to lean on now and he can't be the leader in the relationship and he's looking for his girlfriend to do that and support me and that kind of worked to his disadvantage and then finally with Torian you know here's a man that you know can admit openly that perhaps he's with a woman that is more sexual in than himself and he's okay with that that has nothing to do with him and what he can offer to the table so I kind of felt like it was rich in the sense of we got to see even in just the smallest parts how patriarchy works against men and how men try to navigate that and make sense of that in their lives yeah that's fair Kevin you have any response to that um I think can you repeat your question I My question was like, oh, black masculinity, but I was saying you have a response to what Haley said. Because you're the guy. I can't, I can't, I can't really like I can give my input, but um I guess yeah, reiterate your broader question because then I can kind of pick it. My broader question was kind of like, do you think that this cert like I mean, I know of course insecure cannot re- represent every type of black man out there, but I'm saying that like the black representation that the representation we did get, the type the version, the Lawrence, the Chad, the Dro, like pretty diverse. I think it was pretty diverse. I yeah. Think, I think it was pretty diverse. I think you have every type of black man. So I, I think it was. Um yeah, like I have I have no issue with that. Um, I think down the line with the show could have been a better, like we need more, I do think we need more shows and Mike Hill got killed for this, but I think we need more shows that show black men that aren't hypersexualized or like, how do I say this without, or aren't gay, if that makes sense, right? I feel like there's the extremes of what we see in terms of black men on television is like, hyper-masculine, successful Black man that wants to sleep with all the women, or the street guy that's selling drugs, killing people, or he's like the gay BFF. There's like no in-between. And I think mm-hmm. that's what Love Life to me actually was the first show where we saw a regular Black man on a TV show. And that's why it was so groundbreaking. Yeah, um, I think- before, We need more of that. Are you just talking about tropes, like Black male tropes in general? Yeah. And I, I think that's fair. Like. Yeah, Insecure did a good job because we were represented in all. You had a gay black man. You had black men that were successful and weren't hyper-masculine. You had all, you had a black man with a mental health issue. You had a black man that was, you know, willing to be open and affectionate and love his partner. So, like, we had all sorts of great representation on it. Yeah, I think you're right. I think that Easter did a solid job of, like, passing by regular tropes. And, like, we didn't really have, like, a thug. I mean, your thug character was, like, maybe, like, literally, like, what was it? Uh uh thug yoda but like even then you know he took care of his kid he, he was more of a comedic actor for saying like right the like bull bouch like it was just like very light it wasn't like you didn't see him really gang banging you just saw him making jokes and so even that like art even that trope she even kind of flipped that like nothing was ever just like oh it, you didn't have no scene like jody from baby boy you didn't get like the uh love and basketball like type type trope where it's like just it's you know i'm just picking examples of like talks of black men on um, screen that we've seen um so i do think that this is pretty fair now 
Do you think that you could have, since, since Kevin, you brought it up, but this is also my question list, do you think there's a show like an Insecure? Do you think Insecure could ever, there could be a version where it's just like four black men instead of four black women? Like, do no, you think that show will can ever exist? No, because in order to have that show, there would have to be conversations that the men have that I think black women online and in public spaces just would not agree with. And I think there's just no safe spaces for black men to have conversations without it turning into back and forth. So I don't, I don't think it would get off the ground. I think it would be like, so this, so it's the feminist, it's, it's the colorism for me. It's the, this for me. It's the, it, it just, it, it, it would not, it wouldn't do like, for example, men are finally creating podcasts, right? And every oh, week, gosh. no, 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 but seriously, every week. And, and we could touch on this real quick. The issue to me is the content that people choose, people fall for the same okie doke, right? Which is we're going to send out the hottest take clip, edit it, put it out there, and we're going to get the traction that we want, the views, the shares, the clicks, etc. So to me, if Black men can't even have podcasts and have conversations, how are we going to have a scripted show with Black male friends doing real life things and then not get canceled? Come on. Now, okay, Kevin, now you know that the difference between like the regular podcast, like the regular, like not every black man out there is like spewing shit. The podcast shit that always goes viral is like literally the worst fucking shit ever. It's straight up like, oh, black women are this, black women are that. Like to me, that's different than just like black men just, okay. I'm just saying from the, from my black male friends, y'all are not spitting nothing crazy like I that. Say, I would say that, but like the way that women talk about men on television, like you all have more uh, uh, groom to, to have conversations that we can't have. So can you give an example? Women can call men broke, little dick, ashy, ugly, corny, lame, stupid, a bum. All of these things. No, I'm being serious, right? I'm, I think you, I know you are. <laughs> no one's ever going to be like, it's the, the, the like, they're never going to question it. It just says, okay, you just got to take that on the chin, right? Let's say episode one, the men are sitting there talking and the conversation said, bro, I'm not going to fuck that fat bitch or something like that. <laughs> it's, see? You're la Yo, see? Because it's just so extreme. I don't know. Oh, okay. I was like, we not gonna fuck that fat nigga. He got he gotta pick up his stomach to pee. Nobody's gonna question that. Like if that was on a scripted show. <laughs> no, 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 no. Let's 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 keep it straight. Let's keep it facts. Let's I'm, okay, Kevin. Kevin, I'm I'm here for the facts. I'm here for the facts. I am. The women would key key and it would be no problem. But if a bunch of black men said this, said, I'm not fucking no fat bitch or something like that, or uh-uh, no, she got her pussy stink. Then there's all sorts of body shaming. It's just like... I mean, honestly, you're not 100% wrong. We saw an insecure room. She was fucking the, the, the big dude. And everyone... It was like a hoopla on Twitter. And, you know, a lot of big guys were like, oh, like, Issa, thanks for showing, like, a regular-sized dude. Or he, he called himself, like, a full-size nigga. Um, you know, well, you're height. not wrong. I height, right? Let's say, boom. Let's say we get on the man show. And it's just men talking, right? Like... They live there at dinner, grabbing drinks, whatever, playing video games and talking. And somebody's like, you know, I don't want to fuck with no girl that's, um, I don't want to fuck with a woman that don't have, uh, that, that has natural hair. Something like that. I don't know. Throw it out there. These are comparable things. These are, com these are reasonable comparisons. But the show would not be able to survive. But you do know that like when women have these conversations, we're speaking way more general. We're never like... We're never individually attacking usually one person. You're only attacking one person when you like, I don't know, you're talking about a specific guy that like screwed you over. One person, somebody's like, I don't want to date women that wear weed. That could be a lot of people. I think you're, I don't know, Kevin. Yeah. I'm calling facts. I don't know, but I do, I don't know. Okay, because maybe men's conversations are always way more shallow, which is. And women's conversations aren't shallow. I think women always are asking probably for me emotional and mature emotional maturity way more than we're asking for is niggas who are six feet. The six feet conversation, yeah, is shallow. I'm not saying it's not. I'm not the beard can maybe your beard should be okay. Anyway, the like, man, the man that should pay for everything. If I breathe, he should t pay for me to get my all this. Okay, but we know Twitter right isn't always real. You pull in Twitter conversations. No, these are real conversations that are happening in the they may not be in that format, but these are 
the I think if you if you put a microphone in a room of women and heard their conversation in a room of men, who is more offensive? I would say women would beat them every time. I don't know. I think men are because I I I think I'll give us we're probably even. I'm not saying women can't be offensive. I'm not saying that at all. Let me see why. I I think that men are so trained today to think about what we're saying that women could just if a promise if a woman right now said I only date light skinned men, I don't think, I don't think you would get the same outcry as if a man said it. No, you're right. You're right. Look, you're right. These are the things where I'm like navigating a show of black straight men navigating life in today's world. That show can't take off. Um. Yeah. And you know what's crazy? So I was watching um the new show with black men, and it is Grand Crew, and yeah, it kind of end of it. It was funny. It's it's pretty funny, but I will say that they haven't hit on any. They I don't think they're going to be able to ever hit on the points that you just mentioned, right? Like. Typical, it, granted, it's NBC, it's a sitcom. Sitcoms cannot do what an HBO does. So I'm not gonna like be like, oh, you can't talk, like, why are they talking about this? Because they probably can't. But I will say that, like, the conversations to them are just, I think, between just them and way less about, like, the woman they date or what they want and all these other things. Um, probably because you're right, it probably would sound way more offensive. And I don't know, you're probably right on definitely some level. Um, I just think that, uh, I think there could be. I just think that the writing would have to be very particular. I think Alana does a solid job of like writing. I don't know. It is John Glover's vision. It's, a, it's not, not doing the same thing as Insecure. Um, but I think it is a solid. Yeah. That's, a good huh? one. That's a good one. I think I'm like, that one's a pretty good one. Because I'm saying I think Black men deserve to have their stories told from their perspective. Because I don't think that like. Issa Rae did a great job, but she can't write the perspective of like uh, a William Jackson Harper from like Love Life. She can't do that, right? Or you need multiple black men in the room to help you put to help that put that together, right? And I think that like you know black men deserve their stories, but I'm just like, oh, could this flip the flip the format? Now them podcasting me are just extreme. I just think that like don't me wrong. Maybe I do. I probably know niggas who will say the exact same shit. I mean. I hopefully I'm not associated with anybody who's sitting there talking about shit about black women being like, oh, black women ain't shit, black women, you're mean. I don't mess with darkies. I don't cross the dark line. That is some OD shit, right? Hey, and that is extreme. Yeah, I'm like, I think that the people I'm saying I associate with aren't saying that. And most of, I think all the black men I know, like, date black women. So it's not, that's not an issue. Yeah, I mean, you can talk about body size and all that stuff. Yeah, yeah. Then it gets, but I don't know. It's, it's a whole thing. So I, I it's, that's a lot, Kevin, but you're not wrong. You're not wrong. So I'm gonna have to give you some points. Um, and the last thing I want to talk about before we get off here is just kind of like, did you say something? Mm -mm. Oh, sorry, my microphone. Um, the last thing I want to talk about before we get on here is just about insecure as a phenomenon. Like, do you think that will, that it will last like 10 years? Do you think that something else will take over? Do you think that like, do you think that there's going to be a show within the next like five years that will have the same cultural impact? Um, or go ahead. I don't think there's a show to have a cultural impact. I I'll say this. I think that five years from now, I don't know if Insecure will have the same feeling because I, I I think about it like this right when you watch girlfriends, girlfriends is timeless. It you don't care what year it was that they were filming that show, right? When you mm -hmm. watch. I, I think that from the music to everything else, Insecure is very in the moment. I don't know if in 10 years, some 24-year-old woman is going to run back to it and run to it. Because think of it, if you're 24 in 10 years, that means you're 14 now. I don't know. Not even. Let's say you're like an eight-year-old woman now, eight-year-old girl now. And mm -hmm. let's say whatever year they're 21, 22, they're going to watch Insecure and enjoy it. Because I also think Insecure is very niche in the sense that it is really uh it's from the lens of young black professionals that are college educated which mm -hmm. is a very small segment of the population yeah to me yes it had that but it also had somebody like maya on there that was not college educated from around the way that had a different storyline so that to me is a woman could find herself on girlfriends i don't know if every woman could find herself on insecure I think that's fair. Um, I think that's like a commentary though, like with a lot of shows right now, like, I mean, well, outside of Atlanta, but I think a lot of shows get that criticism of like, oh, this only appeals to like educated black people. Um, 
I think someone was like, at one point, you know, the whole conversation was like, is Insecure black enough? And it wasn't because it's like, oh, you know, I think they made a joke about like hot sauce in the bag or something or cocoa butter. And people were like, oh, y'all are just trying to be black. Y'all are not black at all. Like y'all have white writers. Like it was a whole thing on some episode. And I'm like, damn. But I do think that, uh, I mean, this is not to sound offensive, but like, I do think that like college educated black folks who went to certain colleges, I should say, um, find insecure way more entertaining than others and i think that probably has to do way more with like upbringing uh versus like if you went to college for real like if you grew up, grew up middle class it probably appealed to you versus like someone who maybe grew up lower lower middle class or just that's, lower class in general. I mean by like it has barriers to it that i don't think living single did or girlfriend mm -hmm. did and that's because it was on network national television yeah so maybe it was more accessible but not everybody has HBO and HBO Max. So, that's, so very that's, true. That, that's my thought process in 10 years. I don't know. Because I tell people all the time, like, Girlfriends was introduced to a new generation and it still has that love. I don't know if Insecure, because I, I just don't think Issa Rae, I think she'll do so much more in the next 10 years that I don't even know if that'll be what people know her for. Yeah. I mean, I know she's doing her show, like, rap shit next. And that might appeal to, like... A different group. I don't know I what the show's even about. Well, I still think it's going to appeal to college-educated Black people. I think it's going to be... Yeah. Because that's just the only lens I think she knows. I think a part of this conversation... A part of this, too, goes into, like, the quirky Black character arc in general. Like, I think characters that aren't typically, quote-unquote, Black, or maybe, you know, usually, like, Black characters that everyone appeals to, maybe, or some, you know, like, in the early 90 movies, or, you know, if you're talking about movies like Friday, or just in general, like, characters that experience racism constantly appeal to everyone because we can all uh, agree to that but i think these quirky black characters that are usually come from middle class backgrounds like not all black people like like that because they can't relate to it so i think that's what this really turns into too like it's kind of the trope doesn't work with everybody because in a sense of like if you i don't know if you remember or you've seen the discourse but a lot of people are like oh i want more drama in this show and it's just like well that's not everyday life and it's just like you're looking for something and I know I'm gonna phrase this right, but lower class, like to put it bluntly in the ratchet sense of reality like, TV. Yeah, you want ratchet shit. It's like this isn't bad girls club. You're not gonna have people fighting. You're not gonna have that's, people that's arguing 24 seven. Right? And you know, I love Real Housewives, but like I go there purposely for drama. I'm not going to insecure to have someone fighting every other week. And I'm just thinking like I just think it does a disservice when people ask and when people don't know what they're going into. I don't know. Or I think people are tainting their version if they want to put something on it that it's not. Like Insecure was never going to be Bad Girls Club with with degrees, you know? Um, and so I find it interesting that people ask for that and that's when people want to taint the show. Now, I'm not saying this show is perfect in any, in any sense of the word at all, but I will say I do think it's weird that people are like, oh, I want, I want y'all fight and i want drama it's like that's not what this is it's ne it never was it um so i think you're right probably because like it may not have uh in 10 years and easter ray probably would just outdo herself if we're being honest um and i hope she does um because i really like her as a creator and i think she's i think she's she, she's a strong sense of writing and sense of self in the show um all right is there anything else you would like to add no it was great and i'm thanks for having me yeah thanks for coming um and i think that's it on our insecure episode i have nothing else to say Haley had to dip out early so she cannot say bye but you know she said bye and thanks for uh having me as well and um that's it thanks y'all <laughs>